Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. From the 84th hour of November 3rd, it's Election <laughs> Shock Therapy post-election edition. Sort of. It's like it's like having a week of Tuesdays or something. It's just awful. Oh, you know, I saw a week of Tuesdays open for Guar. Um, yes. Actually, on this Google Meet, I am Chris Moore, and joining me are Andy Bramson and Matt Kukum. Guys, you healthy? Uh, you know, oh, I'd do yeah. better if I had more sleep this week, but yes. I Good. Am. I can, Adrenaline can and coffee. We can deal with sleep. We can get you caffeinated. Uh, COVID's spiking up a little bit here on the Bethel campus. So if you're near this campus, let me just say on behalf of me and my colleagues and all my students who are paying good money to be here, wear a mask, wash your hands. And in the meantime, (laughs) let's talk about what we know at this point about uh, national elections in the United States. We're going to talk mostly about the president in this quick check-in, but we don't quite have everything to say yet. We also are going to talk a little bit about the Senate, but we don't have everything to say yet. So right. let me actually give a little bit of an advertisement. Mm-hmm. This next Tuesday, uh, myself uh, and Drs. Uh, Kukum and Bramson will be in the Bethel University Library for a live mm-hmm. election shock therapy where we hope we will know a lot more about this presidential election and be able to give some breakdowns of not only who the AP has called each state for, but also whether it looks like there's going to be any kind of significant legal challenges in states, whether how recounts are shaping up. And oh, yes, my friends, there will be recounts. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, what, and what else we might be looking forward to in this sort of uh, post-election liminal period as we begin to move towards a presidential um, transition of some kind. So all that to say, we know some things for sure. We yep. know some things for less sure. Gentlemen, I'm comfortable saying that Joe Biden has won the state of California. (laughs) Well, right. I feel really good about saying that Joe Biden has won the state of New York. And I feel really good. Tell something we don't know, Chris. Come on. Okay, fine. Has Joe Biden won the presidency? (laughs) I knew that in September or maybe last year. Has, Uh, has, Has Joe Biden won the presidency? Yes, probably. I mean, I'll say yes. I think it's, I think he's won. I don't see any path to victory for Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. That right there is enough. I don't see a a path to victory for Donald Trump in Nevada. Um, You put those two together, that's 279. I think that to me is is Joe Biden's floor right now. I don't think he goes below 279. Um, I think he is still more likely than not in Arizona. I think he is more likely than not in Georgia, although those states I could still imagine a path for Trump. Um, I think Trump wins North Carolina and Alaska, which are the other two we don't know. So I think yep. I think Biden ends up with between 279 and 306. Yep. And any of that's enough to win. So I think yep. he's functionally the next president of the United States. I just think we have to wait now until, you know, we get to a point where people are comfortable making that call. Right. Okay. 
It's sort of like so, the war is won, but there is mopping up action if we're going to use a, quite a metaphor, bit. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, it looks like you know Nevada. He he's sort of padding his lead there. Biden is yep. Arizona. There were some results that were just released a few minutes before we record this podcast at ten thirty yep. on yep. Friday. Um, that that look less good for Trump than they did. So he might not be able to take um, Biden's lead in Arizona. Georgia is like any any person's game at this point. It's going to a recount. So who knows there? North Carolina, there you know might be some mail-in ballots that trickle in, but North Carolina's counted all the ballots that it has in its possession. And Trump is you know comfortable 1.4% lead there. So that's probably good for Trump, but that doesn't matter either. Pennsylvania is probably gonna be called, if not today, maybe tomorrow at the latest. And, and with that, probably the presidency because Biden has gained the lead in the counting process over Trump in Pennsylvania. The remaining votes to be counted are primarily from heavily Democratic areas. And we know that the margins from those areas vastly favor favor Biden. And so it's it's I mean, the ball game's almost over, I would say. Yep, I agree. And I think, you know, like you look at Pennsylvania, like, the, I mean, Trump had a lead of what? half a million votes, uh, you know, early on when you were just kind of early ones. So when you look at, you know, there's a party, you know, disparity, like in terms of which party voted which way, right? And so the mail-in stuff is just coming in so heavily Democratic. He's up by 9,000. There's no reason to expect that trend to reverse um, in favor of Trump. Um, Biden's ahead and he'll probably, his lead will probably only grow. In fact, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, he ends up with something more like a victory, like what we see in Michigan, right? Um, Where it's honestly like, it's close, but it's not, that close right um yeah. and we're probably not even in recount territory in pennsylvania the way things yeah. are yeah yeah michigan probably not a recount pennsylvania no. like i mean they can't even do a recount until they have everything counted and all the canvassing yeah. and double checking done i'd be i'd be surprised if there's a recount in pennsylvania because it's yeah. it's trump's probably going to lose by two or three points in pennsylvania yeah um yeah. wisconsin again probably recount but recounts generally don't matter um yeah. Recounts rarely overturn the results of elections, especially if, you know, in a statewide election in which one person is ahead by 20 or 30,000 um, votes, recounts really don't make a difference in those situations for the most part. Correct. Right. I think Wisconsin, the recount is going to happen and it will be irrelevant. Um, the place where places where it could matter is Georgia because it is yes. so paper thin. And then, um, you know, Arizona, depending on how tight that ends up. I'm skeptical that ends up being that tight, but it could be, and there could be a, a recount that matters. But but the bottom line is, I mean, you know, come back to it. Like, even if, you know, if Pennsylvania goes the way we're expecting, I mean, you can recount in Georgia and Wisconsin or Georgia and Arizona, and it might, you know, even if they shift, right? I mean, you're just talking about the size of Biden's victory, not whether he wins. Yeah. Now, all that to say, I am inclined to agree with you all on everything you've said so far. But let me be just a bit of a stick in the mud a little bit. Donald Trump has already announced he's planning to hold a victory rally um, within the next day or so. I can't remember the exact schedule of this to um, um, to fire to 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 fire up his supporters. That was his words, not mine. Um, And he is still claiming that he's won this election fair and square and uh, Democrats are attempting to steal it from him with voter fraud. Is there. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm not disagreeing with, with you all, but are there ways in w- what, what is the, what is the end game here for the president? If he's clearly lost the election in terms of actual voter count here, how does that, how does this come to an end for him? Uh, <laughs> I mean, so there's, okay. So most of the litigation that he's offered up so far has been relatively small potato stuff. And this is not just yeah. me saying what do you this. Mean by this that? is like, that's a good, that's a really been, good point. Okay. So, 
So I mean, this is not just me. This is like uh, like Republican like lawyers that have worked on Republican campaigns before said like none of this stuff is going to matter, right? So so it's small potato stuff like the number of observers um, that are allowed in a ballot counting room. There's always always in U.S. history been allowed Democrats and Republicans in the same room watching the ballots being counted to provide accountability. We've always had that. But Trump has said like, well, we want more observers or we want them to be able to stand closer um, to the actual like physical ballots. And so there's been sort of lawsuits over that. Um, there's been lawsuits um, over sort of trying to narrow the window during which mail-in voters could provide corrections to their voter information, right? Sort of curing ballots, right? And sort of consistencies across counties within a state um, for those sorts of allowances, but almost none of this is going to matter. Um, the only way it really matters is if it would throw out a huge chunk of ballots in, you know, in across enough states to affect the electoral college math, but it's not going to matter. So the only sort of case which, you know, really could matter, which probably won't matter, which the, I think the Trump campaign is both holding out for is in Pennsylvania and whether or not sort of the mail-in ballots that are received after election day um, are actually admissible to be counted. And so what they've done in Pennsylvania is they've basically held all of those ballots separate. They haven't counted them yet, right? Those right. ballots are not included in the current totals. Um, yep. So, and it looks like Biden's going to win by a margin greater than the number of ballots that have been received by election day. And so Trump can sue, can bring it to the Supreme Court. Um, there's a petition before the court right now, but the court's going to sit on it. They're not going to rule on it unless it really matters. Um, and, and here's the thing, guys. Um, you know, Trump has basically come out and said, I call thereby call the Supreme Court to basically hand me the election is basically yeah. what he's tweeted. <laughs> the Supreme Court is not going to jump you in. on there. You owe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Supreme Court is not going to jump in and say, you know what? We're going to do the president's bidding. We are going to follow him on this. I, right. I think the Supreme Court, you know, if they had to hear this case because it would matter, they would basically say, no, we're no, we're not going to we're not beholden to you, Mr. President. So because, um, right. you know, right. the Supreme Court is there's institutionalists on the Supreme Court. So, so again, like none of this really matters in the end. So, so, you know, what, what can Trump do with litigation? Not a whole lot that, of course, we're going to see it. We're going to see, um, you know, frivolous lawsuits, right. Or we're going to see yeah. lawsuits that don't really matter. Right. But there's, there's no, no change that's going to come up because of these lawsuits, it, it appears to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ser serious yeah. logistic question then. Um, and then, Andy, I'll throw this to you if you want to address it first or head back to Matt's point. But the, um, the litigation of this type is not cheap. Uh, hiring uh, uh, legal teams in various states to conduct these kinds of processes, unless it's just a show. But if it's a real thing, like the Florida recount was in 2000, that was a very expensive proposition. And we don't right. think the Trump uh, campaign is exactly flush with cash, which means that if Trump starts to, starts to pay for some of these recounts, He's either doing it out of pocket or he needs to get somebody else to to pony up and contribute. Is there anybody who's going to want to sort of fund a Trump recount legal challenge at this point? Only if it matters. And to be clear, different states have different um, different rules about recounts. So some states yeah. have like an automatic recount that's triggered if it gets below a certain percentage. Um, some states allow for candidates to call for a recount if they pay for it out of their own pocket. So Wisconsin is an example of that. But some states don't have a provision in which candidates can demand a recount, right? It's just like, there's only a recount if the margin is, you know, below a certain number, right? So it depends, um, you know, and I think, you know, there will be some automatic recounts, you know, in places like Georgia, where we probably should have a recount if, you know, the margin yeah. is yeah. like 3,000 yeah. votes. That makes sense, yeah. right? Trump's not gonna yeah. have to pay for that, so. But yeah, I mean, in Wisconsin probably. Where he's yeah, Wisconsin, but it's it's not, Wisconsin's probably not gonna matter. Um, yeah. 
but he I'm will. Yeah, saying... he will pay for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's um. Yeah. I think uh, the unfortunately all this. I, mean, I think yeah. If states are close, you should recount them. And so Georgia, there's clearly a need to recount that. Just I think for transparency and and kind of confidence in the process reasons. Right. Even though you know if it's let's say it's three thousand votes in the end or something like that, I wouldn't even or even like right now it's like fifteen sixteen hundred. I wouldn't really expect that to change. But you know it's still I think worth doing. Uh, for transparency reasons. What's disturbing about this moment is there's just so much questioning of the process with no evidence. I mean, there's just like, you know, saying over and over, like, there's fraud, this is unfair, right? And it seems like Trump's metric is essentially, um, I don't like the results. When I don't like the results, that one's unfair. When I do like the results, those ones are fine, right? Um, and it's like, that's, you know, that's not like, that's not how this works, right? You have to accept you know, like that, you know, the process is a certain way. The rules are laid out. They're clearly there. Um, and, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, right? So there's a reason the Tampa Bay Devil Rays are not throwing a World Series victory party, right? They lost, right? There's rules on how that works and they lost, right? And you could try to reinvent them and say like, well, we won because we did this or that against the Dodgers, but the Dodgers beat them, right? And it's the same kind of thing in elections, right? I mean, like somebody wins, somebody loses, and it does increasingly look like the president's lost in so I think, you know, my my hope in all this, right, is that at some point the, the Republican Party elders are going to step up and say, OK, yep, this was a good try and it didn't work out for us. And now we're going to accept that and move on. Um, and there's been some indications from certain people where they're they're trying to push that. Um, even Pence himself, when you know Trump came out the other night and was going off about this and that. And then Trump, Pence gets up and is like, yep, we need to count all the votes. <laughs> right? And it's like, yeah, right. That's the, yeah. the correct response at this point in the process. Well, and, so, and here's the thing, guys, like. I'm just going to sound off for a minute. Um, so, okay. So remember back in September, you know, and earlier, right on this podcast, I was saying, so I was wrong about one thing. I, I said that there would be a really higher, higher sort of error rate on mail-in ballots. It doesn't look like this has been the case. We should revisit that at some other point. But I was saying, along with a lot of other people who are paying attention that, you know what? What we're going to have is we're going to have red shifts and we're going to have blue shifts, right? Because there is a huge number of people that are voting by mail and every state is going to count these ballots differently, right? And so what you're going to see is you're going to see shifts in sort of the reported results on election night and beyond. And we shouldn't be surprised when this happens. And this is not the sign of fraud. However, I also said that people are going to point out that this is a sign of fraud and that Trump is going right. to go out there and say this right. is a sign of fraud, despite the fact that he encouraged his own people not to vote by mail, which is part of the reason why we have this partisan discrepancy. Right. But I said he was going to go out and claim fraud. And look, that's exactly what happened. Now, here's the yep. thing, guys. So Trump is more than happy to to have lawsuits in states in which there is a blue shift, right? So like Pennsylvania, in which, you know, the mail-in ballots, which are primarily coming from Democratic areas that are filled out by Democrats, you know, right. and those ballots are counted after election day. And so there's a blue shift in the days after elections. He's more than happy to throw up litigation there. But you know what? There's been states with red shift, right? Because what they did is yeah. in those states, they counted their ballots their mail-in ballots at the beginning. So Biden was up and then Trump right. basically right. made gains as the regular votes were counted from the Ohio, election day voting. And so we saw this in Florida. We saw this in Ohio. We saw this in Kansas and we're seeing it in Arizona. And is he filing lawsuits in those states and claiming fraud? No, he's not. He's only doing it in states that are democratic. So, so it's just utterly and completely disingenuous how sort of the, you know, the shifting in results, the claims that, you know, that people, you know, are driving in trucks full of ballots and they're, you know, padding the vote is just absolutely bananas. Okay. Rant over. I mean, it's, right. Okay. 
rant not over. And it's dangerous and it's it's dangerous for democracy. It I will be the first person to stand up when there's real election fraud and yell about it, right? Yeah. Although the last time this happened was Republicans in North Carolina's ninth house district back in 2018. And you know what happened? We caught the Republicans that were committing election fraud and we redid the whole stinking election, right? Right. I'll be the first to get up and yell if there's actual election fraud that that actually right. tips the scales of election. But you know what? Historically, there's been almost no instances of election fraud actually changing the outcome of an election. And if there is election fraud, we should deal with it. That's why we have lawyers. Right. That's why we have observers. Right. But there's very right. little sign of it. And to sort of get, get out there and st state that these shifts in votes. Right. Or just basic discrepancies that are quickly right. fixed are the result of fraud is dangerous and irresponsible, and it undermines yeah. the legitimacy of our system. Yeah. And it's 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 wrong. Yeah, and and on top of that, I mean, I, I agree with that, Matt. Um, and I would just add, like, you know, when you think about the polling we had, right? These poll these this is not these are not results that are inconsistent with that. And in fact, if anything, right, the actual results have moved toward the president, right, not away from him, right. So it's not like you know the president was up ten points in Georgia and now it's razor thin, right. In fact, right, a lot of places were saying like we think Georgia's actually going to tilt to the Democrats, right, um, and and it's razor thin, right. But it was we thought it was going to be close, and in fact, it's close, right. So like none of these are surprising, and where they have been surprising a little bit has been more that they've tilted more Trumpian um, right. and toward Biden, right? Um, so again, that to me also gives us more evidence to suggest like this, it doesn't seem like there's anything untoward going on. There's there's just no reason to think that other than we really wish this result was different. Therefore, we're going to claim that it's unfair if it doesn't go the way we want. Let me offer a a narrow, I'm, I, I agree with uh, Matt's rant. And Andy, if you have a minute, could you run some oxygen down there to him? Because I think that yeah, we, yeah. we could use that right yeah. now. Oh, no, he's giving me glasses. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Matt takes off the glasses. We know we're in for it. So um, <laughs> the um, I do want to offer sort of just, I, I don't know, just, just a little bit of an apology on behalf of the American people, which is imagine a world in which all the ballots were counted and there were observers, let's just imagine the whole thing, but what we didn't see was the real time counting and reporting. You went from 0% reporting to 100% reporting. And then at the end of the, when 100% showed up, you'd say, oh wow, Biden won Georgia, super close. Okay. Um, oh wow, Biden won Pennsylvania by two points. Okay, he underperformed what we expected, but it's a, you know a win is a win, right? And you you, you kind of have these, you know, the, all these sudden reactions, like ripping a Band-Aid off. What we have instead is something that humans are uniquely ill-suited to uh, to deal with, which is pattern emergence. Uh, Matt talked about red shifts and blue shifts, and that absolutely happened in this election for reasons we can pretty well explain. But what that means for humans is we're used to seeing patterns where patterns don't belong. It probably kept us alive in the jungle when spotting a tiger's stripes was really important. But in cases like this, it's really problematic because we start to see uh, ballots tilting one way and then tilting another way, and we come up with an explanation for that. And our explanation is, oh, this is malfeasance. And unfortunately, in this election, that notion, that sort of liminal notion of malfeasance has been aided and abetted by um, party leaders, including the president, perhaps especially the president, who are saying, this is illegitimate, this is fake. And I, I, he is doing a real disservice to the democracy in our country uh, by continuing yeah. to make that claim. Yeah. It's, it's demonstrably not true. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's just kind of an ignorance of how uh, 
ballot counting works, right? Um, so we have a extremely decentralized system. There's, it's not like every state has one central office where all the ballots are delivered to, and there's a possibility of slipping in, you know, a dozen suitcases of ballots to try to like dump in ballots. That like that's not how it works, right? There's right. there's voting offices, you know, that are that are counting ballots in every precinct or county, right? And they're counting only from, and they're comparing, you know, like voter lists and resident lists, right? with the number of ballots and they're looking at party registrations and they're saying, you know, who was already registered, who registered the same day, because some states allow that, right? Um, and then and then they count and then they put in batches, right? And sometimes there's little errors that happen. This happens in every election, right? Because it's basic yeah. human error. They're counting right. all night. And so that's why they have canvassing, right? Where they go back and they recheck the math to make sure that the total number of, you know, of ballots for all the combined candidates equals the number of ballots that were received, right? Yep. And they recheck the math, right? And then if it's really close, that's why we have you know automatic recounts in most states, right? So like the system has, you know, it's clunky and it's way slower than it should be, but it yep. generally works, right? Yep. And it's really stinking hard to actually, you know, get rid of thousands of ballots or dump in thousands of ballots to try to change the election. Like elect systematic election fraud is really difficult to do. Right, which is why it isn't done very much, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. Right, and to, and to do that, to Matt's point, because I mean, like the, you do get it in other countries, right? But to do that, you have to have a kind of central control of the process, right? There has to be a good way to control it, um, or you have to be like just have people like where they they don't care about the, their vote, and so you can actually buy the votes, right? And again, there's just no evidence of that happening in the United States. There are places where we do where we pull this off, you know, quite successfully, right? I study the African politics, right? And there's lots of examples there, but but in the United States, right, in the kind of post-machine politics era, this is rare, right? Um, in the machine politics era, you do get a lot more of just sort of like you know you're you're basically like you you have to vote in particular ways to get the kind of financial support you need, right? But that's, you know, we've cleaned up those processes a lot in the last decades. And I I just, you know, again, we've, we've had people investigate this who want to find fraud and they're not finding it. I mean, Chris Kobach does this whole thing, you know, and he finds a few, a handful of old people who went to the wrong place or forgot that they had turned in an absentee ballot, stuff like that. I mean, it's not, it's just not systemic, right? There's no evidence for systemic fraud here. Yeah, I don't want to suggest that fraud is a self-resolving situation, but in order for you to believe that you, that fraud is massive and widespread and unreported, you have to believe two things simultaneously. You have to believe that it's happening and it can be coordinated enough that it's hard for uh, a diverse group of social scientists not to pick up on it. And you also have to believe that the entire media is in on it um, and is willing to collude with voter with, with voter fraud and not report on it either when remember any media source that f successfully finds voter fraud scores a huge personal win out of it they have a self-interest right. in breaking right. stories like this um right. so you have to you really have to believe the media is in the bag and i i just um i don't think that's demonstrably true and of course people only allege voter fraud when it's their side that's down right right isn't that interesting yeah, right. I mean, so, you know, you don't see Republicans alleging voter fraud, you know, in red states or Democrats in blue states, right? You don't see right. that, right? Right. Um, and you also have to believe a fourth thing, that it's only the other side that commits voter fraud, which is also wrong. Right. Right. Okay, before we head out for the day, thank you guys for helping uh, walk through this a little bit. Uh, let's just do a quick check on the Senate. Uh, yes. We will have a, a bigger breakdown of this again on Tuesday of next week. But where do we stand uh, for control of the Senate? This was uh, 
it, Biden might have won the presidency, but this was not the big blue wave year that Democrats were hoping it might be. Right. And I, and to connect that to our earlier discussion, I mean, I think this is another illustration of why, I mean, like I, I'm, you know, I think there's more reason to be skeptical of kind of widespread fraud. I mean, you know, again, if you really were trying to cheat this election, right, you'd really want to cheat to get the Senate. And it looks like contrary to expectations, the Republicans are actually going to hold the Senate. It's 48, 48 right now. Um, they look like they're likely to win Alaska and North Carolina, which would put them at 50. And then it comes down to two runoffs in Georgia, which runoffs tend to be better for Republicans. Uh, I would feel you know, cautiously optimistic if I was the Republican Party of Georgia about two January runoffs. But um, yep. you know, we'll see. Long ways yeah. to go yet. But yeah, but here's the thing. In order for Democrats to get to a tie, assuming Alaska and North Carolina go to Republicans, in order for Democrats to get to a tie, they could be broken by, you know, by yeah. Harris, right? right? They would have to win both Georgia runoffs. And that's really hard, right? Because yep. both, the, you know, basically the combined Republican total in the special election um, was greater than the combined Democratic total. And then Purdue, um, the Republican candidate in the regular um, election um, outperformed John Ossoff, right? And the Libertarian candidate um, who served as a spoiler here, most of those votes would probably go to the Republican as well. And because, you know, runoff elections tend to be slightly lower turnout, um, that tends to favor Republicans who tend to vote more consistently than Democrats. But there's going to be a unbelievable amount of money dumped into Georgia over the next two months. It's going to make Michael Bloomberg just blush how much money is going to be dumped into Georgia. And it's going to be a terrible Christmas and things. May I say how happy I am that I don't live in Georgia right now? Yes, so. <laughs> and you people need to learn to like, move your runoffs up. You don't need to two months between the election and the runoff. What but you know what? We're all going to have to hear about Georgia. So, you know, I, as I was saying to some friends, you know, the new theme song for the U.S. is going to be Georgia on my mind for the next two months. Move over, <laughs> Christmas music. Georgia right. on my mind. Before Thanksgiving, that would be a good thing. So. All things considered, if we're going to be dealing with Georgia, I'd prefer a little more outcast than uh, Ray Charles, but to each his own. <laughs> it, all it'll right. all be there. There's money for everybody to hear their song. Yeah. Hey, so uh, January fifth is is the double yep. barrel runoff in Georgia. So we got got a ways to go. Okay. After the Congress, um, actually, the new Congress is sworn in. Interesting. Yeah. So. Goofy. Very goofy. Um, we have a lot more to talk about um, in terms of what happens next, uh, what this what this election maybe means for the United States. Uh, we're going to punt on some of those big think questions uh, until Tuesday in our big a big election wrap up in the library. But I want to ask you guys just right now, uh, based upon this wave set of votes that we've talked about today, which is which has confounded Americans and caused much consternation and misinterpretation, has this rendered exit polling useless? If we had a whole bunch of mail-in Democratic ballots and a whole bunch of in-person Republican yeah. ballots, are exit polls just hogwash this year? Yes. Yeah. Exit polls are complete <laughs> garbage this year. Um, okay. Yeah. And we kind of figured that might be the case going in. And lo and behold, yeah. I mean, anyone who's watching this who does with polling, like exit polls are garbage. The real question that everyone's asking is, what about just regular polling in general? And that's something that is going to take some time to sort out. So hopefully we can crack that question a little bit on Tuesday. But I think it'll be a couple of weeks before we can give a, a, a true sophisticated postmortem on how the polls in general did. Right. Right. I mean, most states are not done with counting yet. Right. So we're yeah. still waiting on like, what is the... What do the final results look like? How does that compare to, you know, kind of good polling aggregations? Um, and, you know, my quick take on that is it doesn't look like it's maybe as off as some people were trying to claim early on, but we'll see. I think we have a long ways to go before we can really um, assess that well. 
Yep. Um, I think there was maybe a little underestimate of kind of um, the the electorate for Trump, but but again, some of that comes down to calculations about you know what do you expect the electorate to look like, and yep, those are exactly. tricky. Yeah. So, so be patient. Nice stay tuned. Don't 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 go with the hot takes on polling just yet. You know, yeah. don't buy the narratives that are forming right now. Let's wait. Let's let what wait for the dust to settle and let's do a careful analysis. That is sage advice for any occasion. Yes. Gentlemen, happy Friday. We've made it through election week, but there's many more electionings to go. Mm. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today for this relatively brief check-in podcast. You can always get a hold of us at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions. Uh, thanks for listening to us all through these, these, these last four years and beyond. And we look forward to keep doing this as much as we can for as long as we can. Um, and uh, you can always uh, join us on uh, the channel more generally. We have lots of great things coming down the podcast pipe right now. Bookish at Bethel is awesome. Um, I like um, academic, Avatar with Academics. Um, so subscribe to things on Channel 3900. And until you hear our voices next, which will probably be Tuesday in the library, thanks for listening, and go Royals. Mm -hmm.